Well, in advance, Happy New Year to you all. I know it's a few hours away, although, yeah, probably if you're in New Zealand, it's not quite New Year yet either. Anybody from New Zealand here today? Australia? Australia? Ah, it's not yet New Year there yet, is it? No, not quite, not quite. All right, okay, I'm going to read from Psalm 130 today, and my theme is going to be hope. So let's turn to the Word of God and look at what the psalmist says and see what we can gain from the wisdom that's in there. Psalm 130. The psalmist writes, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. I'm going to show you a painting. Uh, I should think that many of you will recognize who the artist is, but I wonder if anybody happens to know the name of the painting and maybe why I chose that. Does anybody first of all recognize the artist? Can't hear you out there. Yes, Van Gogh. Uh, Name of the painting? Bit more obscure. It's called The Red Vineyard. I wonder why I chose this one. Any ideas? Sorry? Didn't hear that. Nope. He did do a painting of an absinthe drinker, having said that, but that's another story. Um, No, the reason I chose that painting was because it was reportedly the only painting that he sold during his lifetime. And in fact, it was put in an exhibition with several of his other paintings, about half a dozen. And two of the other paintings in the same exhibition were paintings of the now very famous sunflowers. They went unsold. And this was the only one that he sold. If you wanted to see this painting today, you would have to go to Moscow to visit the Pushkin Museum, where it is now hanging. And if you wanted to buy one of his paintings today, you would have to be a multi-multi-millionaire. He said this during his lifetime. I can't change the fact that my paintings don't sell, but the time will come when people will recognize that they are worth more than the value of the paints used in the picture. That was quite prophetic. Had he known perhaps how famous his paintings were going to be and how valuable they were going to be, perhaps the outcome of his life would have been different and he wouldn't have died under the age of 40 of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. You know, hope is something we all need to have. If we lose the hope that we have, then we're in big trouble. Hope, among other things, helps sustain us through adversity. So first of all, I want, so I want to look at hope, and I want to look at what hope is not, first of all. So what hope is not, it's not wishful thinking that safeguards us from facing up the realities of the present. We say that again. Hope is not wishful thinking 
that safeguards us from facing up to the realities of the present. It's not like buying a lottery ticket in the hope that you will become a multimillionaire. Actually, you're four times as likely to be struck by lightning as you are to win the lottery. So that's not real hope, that's more like wishful thinking. Hope is more solid than that. Neither is hope simply being optimistic in the face of challenges. It's not simply a case of, well, always look on the bright side of life, or let's maintain positive thinking, or every cloud has a silver lining attitude, or, oh, there's always someone worse off than you. No. Hope is not these things, it's profounder than that. What the psalmist does is he cries to the Lord from his world of pain. He faces up to the realities of the situation he's facing. Look at what he says in the first part of verse one. He says, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, the depths. Now if you look through the Psalms, you'll see that this expression is used on several occasions. The depths, it's a place where confidence, to say the least, is at a very low point. It's a place, in fact, of being on the brink of despair. It's a place that you can't get yourself out of. Out of the depths. Jonah, when he was in the belly of the fish at the bottom of the sea, used a very similar expression. Out of the depths. I cry to you, O Lord. There he was. There was no way that he could deliver himself. So the psalmist is using this kind of expression here. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. Have you ever experienced being in the depths? Perhaps you're going through in the depths even today. Hope is not simply being optimistic. There is pain. There are heartaches. There are disappointments in life. There is illness. There is evil, there is death in the world and the psalmist recognizes this. He recognizes the realities of the situation. Hope faces reality. Hope does not stick its head in the sand and pretend that all is well or simply say, oh, well, the glass is half full after all. No, no, it's more than that. But hope does not wallow in self-pity either. So hope is not those things. Now, what is hope? Well, Hope definitely looks expectantly for something better. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8.25, we hope for what we do not yet have. We hope for what we do not yet have. So maybe in 2017, you've been praying for various things. I certainly have. And I have had hopes in 2017. Many, many hopes. Many, many prayers have gone up in 2017. We hope and pray for friends I trust. We hope and pray for colleagues people we work with, we hope and pray for family members, perhaps to accept Christ, we hope and pray for the church, for the unity of the church, we hope and pray for the move of the Spirit of God in our midst, we hope and pray for the glory and excellence of God to be revealed. Those are some of the things I trust we are hoping and praying for. We hope and pray for the nations to be changed, for evil regimes to be changed, for the light of the gospel to come into nations. We hope and pray for those things, I trust. We hope and pray for God's provision in our lives in a personal matter. We hope and pray for health. We hope and pray for jobs. We hope and pray for places to live. We hope and pray for blessing on our own lives and on the lives of others. All the genuine hopes we put in God working are part of a larger hope. 
part of a bigger hope that stretches from this broken world to ultimately be fulfilled in a perfect world. As we were praying earlier this morning upstairs, I just had a thought just flitted into my mind about the fact that, you know, we have got, as followers of Christ, we have got one foot, as it were, in eternity. We've got a lot of our hopes are placed beyond the veil, as it were, in, the, in eternity, in where Christ is, at the right hand of God, in the promises of God. And yet we have one foot here in the realities of you know, having to make breakfast in the morning, having to make sandwiches if we're uh, providing for our own lunch, getting the kids ready for schools. So we're very much, yes, we've got one foot, as it were, in eternity. And we've also got one here on planet Earth, as it were. And yet, ultimately, all our hopes are heading in that direction. They're heading in the direction of being fulfilled in Christ in the greater things which are to come. And God has given us a deposit of the Spirit so that deep down there's a yearning for something better. And John spoke about this at Carol's at Kings. And this is a theme that I sort of sensed came out in 2017 that we're looking for that perfect moment. We're looking for something glorious. I don't know about you, but do you ever have the feeling that when you're going through something really wonderful, really tremendous, whether it's listening to a piece of music, whether, whether it's playing with a family, whether it's having a nice meal, whether it's on holiday, or whatever it is that, that excites you and thrills you and makes you full of wonder, maybe it's just looking at the night sky, I don't know, maybe you, you've been able to see the northern lights, I don't know, but... There are moments in my life for sure when I turn to my wife and I say to her, do you know what I'd love to do? I would love to bottle this up. I'd love to put this experience in a bottle. And then when I don't feel so good or feel so low or the, the days are long and dark and dull and dingy, open the bottle and inhale that experience and relive it. In other words, somehow looking for that perfect moment. And that's been spoken about recently and our hopes are heading in that direction. We need to recognize that not all our hopes, though, are going to be fulfilled in this life. As I said, we've got like one foot in eternity, as it were, but one foot firmly here on planet Earth where we're getting older and we get tired and we don't want to get up so early in the morning, especially when it's dark and so on. But we need to recognize not all our hopes are going to be fulfilled in this life. In the great list of people of faith in the book of Hebrews, the writer says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So not all my hopes will be fulfilled in this side of eternity. We have a hope that one day this tired world will be made new by God's power, where the lion will lie with the lamb, where tears will be wiped away, where evil has no place to roam, where no longer will we need to use anti-wrinkle cream or dye our hair to give the illusion of youthfulness or lament the fact that our stomach is sinking southward with the passing of the years. None of our aging bodies will be replaced with a brand new model. As it says in one of the songs, we have a hope that is steadfast and certain, gone through the curtain and touching the throne. Our hope is founded ultimately in the character of God. And when we break bread, we remember, as we're going to do later, we remember Christ's death on the cross. It speaks of the character of God. He fulfills his promises. He demonstrates his love. Now this morning as we were singing uh, the worship songs, and Jesus was very much, did you notice, he was very much being elevated in the songs 
What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. And as we were singing those songs, I felt as if I was kind of almost being lifted off the floor. Of course I wasn't, but I felt as if I was. I felt as if I was like one foot off the floor and there were tingles just going all the way up and down my body as we were singing about the glory of God. And our hope is placed in Him. Our hope is placed in Christ and in His character. Now hope is a very important thing to have in your life and not to lose it. Hope is of strategic value in your life. And we are in a warfare situation. Satan wants to rob you of your hope. Let me say this at the end of 2017 as we approach 2018. Let me say that again. Satan is out to rob you of your hope. Hope is something of strategic value. I'm going to show you a picture of a bridge. Now, I know there'll be some people here who will know instantly what the bridge is. Can we have a look? Yeah. Yes, I I knew Bruce would. So, yeah. Now, bridges are of strategic importance in warfare in particular. This bridge, which I've been across, is in Normandy. And it was of strategic importance. It's actually called Pegasus Bridge, for those who don't know. And on the 6th of June, 1944, when the Allies came to liberate Europe, the first thing that they did in the middle of the night was they wanted to take that bridge. They wanted to capture that bridge, and they captured that bridge. And the reason they wanted to capture the bridge was because it was very strategically important. It was on the east side of the beaches of Normandy where the Allies were going to land. And if the enemy took control and kept control of that bridge, it would mean that they could bring their troops, bring their tanks across the bridge and bombard the troops as they entered the beaches. That's why it was of strategic importance and that's why the Allies captured it. Well, who knows what might have happened if the enemy had got that bridge. We are at war. We are in a spiritual warfare. Our enemy wants to destroy your bridges of hope so that you become demoralized and so that the advance of the purposes of God are thwarted. What bridges of hope did you have in 2017? I've been praying for certain people in 2017 pretty regularly, hoping to see evidence of the kingdom of God advancing in their life. Even this morning, as I was driving down from Hazelmere, I was praying for certain people who are on my heart. And I've been praying for the kingdom to advance in that person's life. For someone else, yeah, the same kind of thing, except they're at a a different stage. They're at the stage of they don't believe. The other person's at the stage of the seed is germinating in their life. And I'm praying for many people I'm praying for the advance of the kingdom. I'm hoping to see evidence of the kingdom of God advancing in their life, to respond perhaps to Jesus for the first time or to get established in their faith, for the Holy Spirit to reveal the splendor and glory of Jesus. I've been praying those things. I've been hoping to see evidence of the kingdom advancing in their life. And I've been praying in 2017 for those things. Have I seen all the answers yet? What do you think? No. Have I seen all the answers I want? What do you think? No. Am I still hoping and praying? 
Yes. Do I have times of feeling discouraged and thinking, what's the point? Yes. Yes. You're very good. You've got all the answers right so far. (laughs) Do I press on despite that? Yes. Yes. Why? I'll tell you why. Because I trust the one to whom I'm offering my prayers. I trust the one to whom I will offer my prayers. If you have hope, if you lose hope, your energy goes down, you get weary, cynical even, disillusioned. So your bridges of hope are important. And God, I believe, wants to renew your bridges of hope today. Now, one of the things I don't like about hope, and the psalmist brings it out, is hope involves waiting. It says in verse 6, My soul waits for the Lord. More than watchmen that wait for the morning. I don't like waiting. I am by nature not a patient person. When God gave me gifts, he did not give me the gift of patience. I seem to be very impatient and I have to battle against impatience and I have to lean heavily on the spirit of God when I'm not seeing what I want to see, when my hopes are not fulfilled in the way I want them to be fulfilled, when the time frame that is not happening, then I need to wait. Wait for the Lord. That's something that I don't find easy and I need the spirit to help me. How about you? But the watchman knew that the dawn would come. He went about his business with that assurance. He would patrol the walls of the city against the enemies. He would look to the east because he was waiting for the dawn. He knew that when the dawn came, then his job was over. He would be expectant. It was a certainty. It was a certainty that the dawn would come. The psalmist says, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. What can we be certain of in that case? He's certain that the dawn is going to come. What can we be certain of? Well, there's a consistency, a reliability to the coming of the dawn. It's predictable. It's dependable. It's sure. It's certain. Now surely the dawn must speak of the character of God in whom we place our hopes. He is with you. He is for you. He does not change like shifting shadows, the apostle James tells us. He is good. He loves you. He has your best interests at heart. As the watchman relies on the dawn, surely we can rely on the character of our God. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, he says. And in his word, I put my hope. So ultimately, we place our hope in the word of God. Now, the word of God is not simply a theological idea. No, it's a person. I think that's why this morning again, as we sang, I was just, again, minding my own business as it were, seeking to enter into the worship, but I felt the Lord just came and said, yeah, here you go, kaboom. Here's something of who I am, I'm gonna show it to you. Here's something of my presence, I'm going to reveal that to you. And I'm gonna thrill your heart with something of who I am. And in 2018, I want to experience that again and again and again. I want to experience the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ because ultimately my hopes are all placed in the word of God, not some theological concept, but a person. 
The person is the word of God, Jesus himself, who is utterly reliable. If the dawn is reliable, if we can rely on the dawn every day, how much more can we rely on Christ? But it involves faith. It involves trust, because not all that I'm hoping for will necessarily be fulfilled in the way that I want it to be fulfilled. I was praying for someone this year. I had this experience when I thought, I just felt a little nudge from the Spirit to get out of the boat, as it were. Someone was telling me about the, a situation with a family member who was finding it very difficult to conceive and had had several miscarriages. I felt really sad when I heard that. And I thought, I'll step out of the boat. And she was, this family member was pregnant again. I thought, I'll step out of the boat. And I'll say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that this child lives. So I did. Got out of the boat. And I said to the person, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that this child lives. Was my hope fulfilled? No. The child died. The person had another miscarriage. And I felt... I felt sick, I felt, oh dear, what's the point of getting out of the boat? You know, what do they think now? DDD, the usual stuff. Anyway, yesterday I heard, <laughs> I heard that this young lady is pregnant again. And there's more reason, I think, to hope on this occasion. And I thought, well, maybe, Lord, you're going to fulfill it, that prayer in a way that I never thought in a way that I never anticipated. How often is that true in life, actually? You know, we pray for something, we hope for something, we pray, and God doesn't always do what we want. Of course, he's under no obligation to do what we want. But if we're praying for things like the kingdom to come, it may be that God does it in a way that we've never anticipated, we've never thought of. So I'm going to be praying for this young lady. I'm going to be praying that the, the baby comes to term. And that, you know, her mother is able to hold that child in her arms. That's going to be one of my hopes for 2018. But what, one thing we can be certain of, we can be certain that our God is consistent. He's more consistent than the dawn. Why did he put the dawn there? He put the dawn there partly to show us that his mercies are new every morning. He's, he's more consistent even than the dawn. If the dawn failed to come, Christ would still be as faithful as ever. So my hopes are placed in the word of God, in him ultimately, the word of God. Place our hope in him. And even when I don't see exactly what I'm hoping for in the time frame I would like, I still trust him. Easy to say, not so easy to do. How about you? What does hope in the Lord mean? The psalmist writes in verse 7, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord recognizes that God is active in this world. You know, there's that song and we hear it at Christmas time and from a distance God is watching us and all that kind of stuff. No, no, no. I disagree. God is not watching us from a distance with his arms crossed, sitting on his throne, seeing how we get on. No, no, no. God is active in this world. God is moving. In the beginning was God, the spirit of God was moving over the face of the deep, it says. Is the spirit of God passive today? No. Very, very much active. The spirit of God is moving over your heart right now. What does he want to do? He wants to bring light. 
Let there be light he wants to send to your heart. Let there be hope in your heart. Let there be expectation. May you put your trust in me in this coming year, 2018. Whatever you may have experienced in 2017. There's a new beginning as it were. His mercies are new every morning. And God says, I want you to place your hope in me ultimately. Place your hope in who I am. All your hopes, place them in me. Trust me. Rely on me. Ask me. The Spirit of God is active. Put your hope in the Lord. With the Lord is unfailing love. He is active. He is not passive. He wants to renew your sense of hope this year, this coming year. He wants to renew your love for him. He wants to deepen your revelation and your understanding of who he is. He wants to open, swing wide the gates of your heart so that who may come in, the king of glory. He is not passive, he is active. Now we have some interesting conversations up in the office during the year. And one of the interesting conversations, it is very interesting to me anyway, is when we talk about the kindnesses of God. And Richard's, one of his themes, he talks regularly about that. The kindnesses of God, I love that expression. The kindnesses of God. And we're praying again this morning, I was saying, thank you Lord for what you've done Thank you for your kindness to us. And thank you for the things that we don't actually acknowledge. So many times, the kindness of God comes unexpectedly and undeservedly. That's what grace is about. It's not you have to climb up that ladder. No, no, no. God comes down to us and meets with us where we are. In the depths. Out of the depths. God comes into the depths. He gets his hands dirty, as it were. He doesn't say, oh, I can't touch you. Oh, my goodness me. Yuck. No, 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 no. He's the one who comes and he touches physically the leper. The one who is meant to make you unclean. He comes and he touches that one in order to make the leper clean. And he does the same for you and me. We may not have physical leprosy. But nevertheless, in our hearts and in our thinking, God comes And he's not ashamed to be called our brother. Isn't that amazing? Not ashamed to sit with you as it were in the filth of where we get to at times. And he comes. And he touches us. And he loves us. And he's kind to us. And he's gracious. As I look back this year in 2017, I can see many kindnesses of the Lord. Has it all been sweetness and light? No. Have there been difficulties and pain? Yes. Other things now that I feel really concerned about and a bit worried about? Yes. There are. But I've seen the kindnesses of God. Some big kindnesses, if there is is such a thing. Small kindnesses. So the kindness of God this year with the birth of three of our grandchildren. It's amazing. Actually, it's more than that. Because in order for that to happen, God had to do some incredible, incredible heart surgery on the hearts of our family in order to bring us to that place. And yesterday, I was in the gym and uh, one of our, uh, my daughter-in-law, she works there. And she was training somebody and uh, I was watching just, and I just felt, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for my daughter-in-law. She is such a blessing. My, she's a great wife. Thank you that you brought her into my son's life. 
that's amazing. Thank you, Lord. When there was no hope, when there was no sign of any of that happening, when my son was off the rails, and you can read his or see his testimony on the church website. I was looking at it the other day. I'd forgotten it was on there. And the place that the Lord has brought him from to the place where he is now, it's astounding. It's the kindness of God. As you look back on 2017, have you seen something of the kindness of God in your life? I went to Nepal again in October, and uh, I'm still desperately trying to learn the language. It's a very, very slow process. I had a teacher come to the hotel where I was staying, did an hour and a half, five, six days a week, and he was great. Just the kindness of God. And we just had such a laugh together as, we were, as I was learning, and uh, it was fun, and uh, just the kindness of God. Have you experienced something of the kindness? Do you know, you can experience the kindness of God even when your world is falling apart. Why? Because God is gracious. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on your success. It's not based on your personality. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on your servanthood or lack of it. It's based on the character of God and who he is. As we come to break bread, we remember God's ultimate kindness through the cross. If we're in any doubt, as we come to break bread, let's just remember, let's rejoice as we come to break bread. Let's rejoice in our Savior. Let's rejoice that our hopes are actually in Him. My hope is in you, Lord. And maybe it won't happen the way I want it to. But nevertheless, you're still at work. Your love is unfailing. Your purposes are good. You desire to do me good. And it's not based on my performance, but it's based on who you are. It's based on your character. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you for all the kindnesses that you showed me in 2017 when I didn't deserve them. Thank you so much. And in 2018, as 2018 comes, I'm going to rely on you. I'm going to place my hopes on you. I'm going to trust you because of who you are. The psalmist says, with him is full redemption. God is interested in redeeming situations and making bad situations better. Maybe you're in a bad situation now. God wants to try and redeem that situation. I've been in situations that have been bad that have led me to the pit of despair when I've been going out walking at night, sobbing, in the dark, crying out to the Lord, almost with anger, because I'm not seeing something that I want to see happen. But God is still at work. Despite what I think, despite what I feel, God is still at work, and I've seen it, and I testify today that with the Lord, he wants to redeem the situations that are in darkness. He wants to bring something of his light into the situation. How is he gonna do it? I don't know. But he created the starry host. He created that Milky Way. He created, I love that, the Sombrero Galaxy. Just love that. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Is anything too hard for you? You can do things in a way that I've never even thought of. But I want to place my hope in you, Lord. In this coming year, God is interested in redeeming situations. But there's opposition, of course. You know, there are dark, evil powers seek to oppose the mission of God. We are in a world that is hostile to God, where people are in rebellion against him and fierce denial about his very existence. 
But even so, we can hope and pray with assurance that God is seeking to make situations better than they are. And I've seen that in many instances in the church here. Like even now, as I look around and I'm not looking at anybody in particular, I can see where God has redeemed situations in a spectacular and amazing and wonderful way. And there are probably many stories here today that I don't even know of God's redeeming work. And that's one of the things that we're really keen to hear about in 2018. If you've got a story of God's redeeming work in your life that you know, please let us know. We'd love to capture it on video, be able to show it to other people, to encourage others, because it's great to hear how God has redeemed situations that seem desperate. So what are you hoping for? Have you been disappointed in some of the things you've hoped for? Perhaps you've been praying for family members or the church or personal matters. Have things not turned out as you'd hoped? Have you become disillusioned? Have people let you down? Do you feel God has let you down? Have you got tired of waiting? God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. His timing and the manner in which he does things may not be ours. God shapes us though as we wait for our hopes to be fulfilled. What I'd say is allow the Holy Spirit even this morning, to be active in your life, to renew your hope, place your hope in him. Vincent van Gogh was an artist who tragically lost hope. Now God is doing a greater work of art on the canvas of human history. People will wonder and ask, who's that at the center? Why, it's the Lamb of God, it's Jesus. And who's that sitting at the table with him, enjoying the feast? Why, that's you and me. Well, how did we get there? Jesus paid the price. You're part of that masterpiece, whatever you may be going through. Trials now, challenges, tears, obstacles to overcome, you bet. But let's pin our hopes on the one doing the masterpiece. He will never fail. Be sure that God sees and knows and cares. He's painting you on his canvas. And he has a very fine attention to detail. Amen. Amen.